Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Fox Nomad podcast. I'm your host, Fox Nomad, Anul Polat. Got a great information-packed episode for you today. I get to speak with Dr. Miguela Caniza, who's an MD, MPH, the director of the St. Jude Global Infectious Diseases Program at St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital and a leader in tracking COVID-19 in pediatric populations. We talk about the COVID vaccine. We get to talk about why it's important to be vaccinated, the difference between the vaccinations, and also some misconceptions. We get to clear those up. And you know, if it's me talking, I get to ask questions that you have, but also just some questions that I have that might seem kind of off the wall, but you know, maybe if I'm thinking them, some of you are thinking them as well. So we get to talk about vaccinating adults, vaccinating teenagers and children, side effects, all kinds of things. I think you're going to really um, appreciate this episode and learn a lot if you're on the fence about vaccines or you know someone who is. This is the episode that you can share with them. It answers, I think, most any question that you could think of. Uh, we get into everything. And, you know, as someone who's hasn't been able to travel, you know, it's affected half of what Fox Nomad does. You know, it's travel tech. There's no travel. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful for the vaccine because we can now start to slowly get back to normal as people get vaccinated. So if, if you're on the fence, if you want my personal opinion on it, which isn't very valuable, but if, if you're wondering, I say go ahead and get vaccinated. I have been vaccinated. It's not too bad. It doesn't hurt too bad. Um, and the benefits are just immense. But if you want to hear what an actual expert has to say, if you want to hear the science behind vaccines and what it all means, then you're going to really enjoy this episode of the podcast with Dr. Kaniza. Thank you, doctor, for joining me. Um, there are a lot of questions, and I have gotten a lot of questions about immunization. I've heard a lot of misconceptions. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast so that we can kind of go through why vaccination is important and what it means and so dispelling some of those misconceptions. Um, but before we get started, I think it'd be great if you could just introduce yourself, uh, some of your background. Um, just to yes. let everybody know. Yeah, my name is Miguela Canisa, and um, I was trained in pediatrics uh, in, um, in Stony Brook. This is part of the New York system. And then after finishing pediatric residency, I did my uh, fellowship in pediatric infectious diseases at Duke University with some cats. And again, some cats is one of the major proponent and major champion in vaccination. And so uh, then after that, I practiced pediatrics for a few years. And then I joined St. Jude Children's Research Hospital to, uh, to build and direct the, uh, the Global Infectious Disease Program. And the Global Infectious Disease Program come alongside our fantastic oncologists to improve the care and, uh, of children with cancer around the globe. And, increase the survival of these children. So lately, I have been working also with my, my colleagues um, around the world to improve the understanding of vaccination uh, and, and especially to initiate a conversation, how are we going to be prepared from when the COVID vaccine is available, not only in the States, but around the globe for children. And 
you know, it, it, there are so many things that I've come across. I've just, I've just been vaccinated. So I, I'm kind of a couple of days out from my, my second vaccination. And uh, if anybody is scared, it's not that bad. The, 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 you know, the needle is not that bad. It's, um, but what, I guess at a very high level, why should people get vaccinated? I mean, are, is it for this herd immunity? Let's say someone's thinking, well, I'm healthy, I'm young, I don't need it. What, what, what's the reason to get vaccinated? Well, one of them to get vaccinated is that vaccination is going to prevent bad disease. And even though people might say I am young, I am healthy, I have no comorbidities, um, we have seen cases that might go unexpectedly to more year manifestation. And this is just the way that we, we react differently to any insult. We call the infection insult. So we, we, we react differently. Some people might be completely no problem, but other people might have some uh, increased inflammatory response and then they have complications. So I would say just from the viewpoint of being very selfish, you can say, well, you know, maybe I should get vaccinated so I don't have the bad outcome of COVID. So I would say one, that has been one of my reasons also. And then of course, the other one is the more uh, kind of altruistic um, uh, rationale, which is if you live in the household and we all have extended families, uh, little kids, older, grandpa, grandma, uncle. And so even though the person might not have the bad side effect, they, you know, people who are infected might transmit to the surrounding. And amazingly, this virus is quite transmissible. And, uh, and I think that not only it is transmissible, what happened is that we don't pick up after ourselves when we go around. We don't clean ourselves, the places that we touch, we touch our face, our nose, we touch other places. And then we talk, you know, our saliva stay in the air and all this stuff. So we can transmit this very easily. And I would say the second major reason that would be the more altruistic way of preventing other people becoming infected with this virus. So what happens in a situation where you have, let's say, half of the and I'm, I'm just starting with adults, I guess, at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, but you have half of people are vaccinated. You know, what's the, I guess, the advantage of that and the, the disadvantage? I mean, 50% is better than, <clears throat> excuse me, 50% is better than zero, but it's, uh, it's short of what the goal is, I think. Yes. And I think that this is almost, we are getting there in the United States, at least with one dose of uh, the, the vaccine. And, and I think it's quite exciting, actually. And we are seeing already in other places where the rate is much higher. And I think that the information that we are seeing is that what is happening in Israel. And so that they are seeing in some age group actually decreased the, um, decreased the mortality already uh, among those groups. And so, uh, I would say the 50%, you know, the distribution could be different because we know that the 50% in that group, we don't see a huge number of children because we just got this vaccine approved for the younger age. And then um, kind of like reading more about that, um, the, the group like 16 and 18 years, also that number is not that big. 
unfortunately. So I think that the, the, the big bulk of the close to 50% are going to be those uh, above 18 years of age, and most likely it's going to be the older age group. And we, uh, I think that we are already having a nascent information that in some communities they are going, they are being like less, less, um, um, you know, mortality, I would say, and then also going to the hospitals. And so um, that also is a concept which is more like vaccinating the very high risk population. And we know that um, in, in a group, those older people are among those that is going to have much more adverse effect um, from, from the virus. And the younger group are not going to have as much. And so uh, coming back to your question, you know, why, how, what is going to do the 50% right now? I think in some communities might do a lot because it could be that 50% is much more than 50%. And especially like in, um, in, in places where you have older communities and, um, and also, it could be also that the 50% are among adults that intersect with other population, like, for instance, um, healthcare provider. In my hospital, at least, um, there is a big percent. It's way, way, way beyond the 50%. And I think I give a sense of safety also, not only to work there, but also safety from, um, to those um, people that we serve. And so when we talk about, you know, vac vaccination rates, I mean, that has to, that's, in I think some of us in our minds have adults, we don't think about children or, or teenagers as being a part of that group. But it's, it sounds like they have to be right, we can't have adults vaccinated and children not and it, is, that's, is that because they can spread the virus as, as for the same reasons that you know, they can spread the virus and then some people do get very sick, you know, that there's no guarantee. I guess youth is not a guarantee that this can't have some, you know, COVID can't hit you hard or, or cause long-term effects. Yeah, um, I think that the, uh, the idea also is that uh, children and young people and then adolescents, you know, they are all part of our communities. And, um, and they are very mobile. So one time it's, it's like, you know, I, I have a daughter, you know, she's 18 years old. And so she was at school with her friends. And then also there is some intersection with the teachers and then back home and she, she has a band, she playing a band. And then also she runs. And so it is amazing. Probably she intersect much more with various group of people in the community that I would do myself. And from that viewpoint, probably it's very important that um, she does not be, she's not be, you know, transmitting her virus around. Uh, and because among them are going to be people who are, um, you know, they, they are going to be at risk. Like, you know, one of her teacher would be like, you know, it is obese and have diabetes or hypertension. And that is the age, that, that is the comorbidities that um, put the person at much higher risk for the bad outcome. I'm just saying that just from the viewpoint of being uh, 
carrying the virus around and being altruistic, you know, saying like, okay, I don't want to be passing my virus to potential people that might have a bad effect. And so I think that that is uh, sometimes that you have to think about and in pediatrics, and that happened to me as a pediatrician, uh, when I am not seeing uh, children, you know, um, coming like and taking a look at them because I am, I'm doing something else, you know, it's interesting as soon as I start seeing kids, I become sick, you know, I have a cold. And, and that just shows that the, the kind of like going to a new environment, you know, just make you, can make you feel sick. And the same with parents happen also when they have kids at school, you know, frequently they have some call and it just show like as a marker that, you know, children bring stuff uh, inside the house, take at school, but um, does not mean that children become very sick. It just happened that, you know, they transmit like anybody else, I would say, their viruses. I'm not sure if that answers your question. You know, it does. It does. And it, it kind of brings me to two questions. I have some questions about the vaccines themselves and then how they apply to children. So some things I've heard, you know, uh, for example, what are the differences between the vaccines? You know, there's Pfizer and Moderna in my understanding, which is very limited, that they use a, a, a certain technology, and then some of like AstraZeneca and J and J, they use a different. And I think there is some misconception because we have these choices. You know, I don't remember getting vaccinated for anything else and having a choice of which vaccine to take. You know, this seems like a very modern thing. Um, is there a difference between the vaccines? You know, is there? Uh, one is better or not, you know, it, it seems like some people are gravitating toward, you know, I hear stories that, oh, this one gives you bad side effects, but if you take this one, you're okay. And, and these kind of things, is that true? What are the differences? Well, to start with, uh, I'm not sure if this is any consolation until now we have, I think it has been given 1.6 billion doses of vaccine. That is incredible from my viewpoint. So now, back to your question, what is the difference between Pfizer, Moderna, the Jensen, which is also called the Johnson & Johnson, the AstraZeneca. So the, the Pfizer and the Moderna, so they have, uh, instead of giving the protein, and because sometimes the vaccine, um, in the, in the, the, the vaccine is given like a piece, sometimes it's the higher pathogen, or it could be the piece of that that elicit the immune response. In the case of coronavirus, the little peak, uh, kind of they call them the spike. This is why they call also the S protein for spike protein is the one that attaches to the cell. And so that's why they are very, you know, from the very beginning interested in developing an antibody to block that to prevent the virus attaching to the cell. But then uh, they say, instead of giving the little protein of the virus, why don't we give the, 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 um, the genetic information that, that code for that protein? And so, and that is the messenger RNA. The messenger RNA is the little segment that of the genetic information that code for that protein. So now, 
the Pfizer and the Moderna has the, they call them the messenger RNA. And that is what we get. And, and again, because that is so fragile, so that's why it has to go in such a low temperature to keep on the shelf. Once they, they, um, they, they are going to inject, you know, it's okay to lower the temperature and give that. So that is the Pfizer and the Moderna. And, um, and that is a very uh, amazing technology. Uh, in a way, you know, it's very, very focused and direct. And that has been actually a, the difficulty with many vaccines because, uh, you know, just an, just an example like the Pertussis vaccine. The Pertussis vaccine that now we have a cellular one, in the past used to be the entire, almost the entire pathogen. What happened is that that can elicit a lot of reaction against that. Sort of like you are given much more than is needed. But I think that with the mRNA, you just give exactly what is needed because that is the, um, that is the information that the body needs to start uh, building immunity to block the, um, the attachment of the virus to the cell. So that is in the Pfizer Moderna. And certainly the other one like uh, the, the Jensen, the AstraZeneca, and, uh, and people like are outside the United States, they have the Sputnik, they call them the Sputnik, the Gamaleya vaccine or the Russian. So basically what they do is they still have the messenger, they still have the RNA that, um, that code for the spike protein, but they decided to put into like, almost like a carrier and the carrier in those cases are virus. And they, they call them the non-replicating viruses. And they put inside the carrier and so that, and they inject that so that when they go into the appropriate cell, kind of they unload the package and then the body start producing uh, the information and, and then the reaction against that. I'm not sure if that is um, clear, that information. Yeah, so it sounds like they're actually very similar you know the the result is is i think similar and and sort of you know the, they're still using both using mrna to sort right. of train the body right so one of the things you know the misconceptions i had heard and i wanted to sort of clear up with you is some people are worried that it might change your dna or that if you take the moderna or the, they might have some sort of effect on on your on your chromosomes or or something like that it, it, i'm assuming you know uh, that's not the case? Well, it's very interesting, actually. And I think that the worry is not completely uh, wrong. Of course, we, we all worry about that. And people take very, very seriously. And uh, one, one thing about the mRNA, the RNA, it is like, it's very labile. Once, that's why they keep in such a lower temperature, because that can disintegrate. And so, that's why you know when they low they, they are ready to immunize they kind of like they bring to the to the uh, ambient temperature and then provide that but it's very fragile and so that that is one secondly um, you know it's kind of like it is exactly for that has no other function but holding for that specific protein and so at least uh, they have not found that it can go ahead and code for something else. Because I think that that should be also the fear. What about if instead of coding for the, 
for the spike protein decide to code for something else. And I think that that is a very reasonable fear, but they found like they just code for the spike protein and they did not find the, um, the, that it's going to change the DNA. And again, remember that there are like millions and billions of uh, information that we have in our cells. And that would be very hard to change with this one. When it comes to the dosage, like going back to, to children and, and teenagers, from is the dosage the same? And if so, why is it the same? I, I mean, just from a high, very high level point of view, you know, a lot of people think, well, you know, adult is 150, 200 pounds and a child weighs less. So why don't they get less, if that makes sense? Well, usually these, when they are developing medications and when they are developing uh, new vaccines or whatever, they usually come up with the right dose to produce the right response. And, uh, and that is the, the dose that elicits the desired response. And I think I just go from that. It's kind of like very technical. And, and again, it's not like the more you give, the worse it's going to be. Uh, certainly with some medication, is that the case? And as a pediatrician, we normally, when provide medication, we provide for weight, for body weight. Uh, but in this particular case, uh, the information that is coming is like with that dose produces the right amount of immune response that is going to protect the, the, the child. And and for for children, are the side effects different? Are they the same as, as adults? Uh, is there any difference well, in sense? Yeah, uh, among the side effects, and especially, you know, we have seen the, um, just came out the, uh, the approval of the Pfizer vaccine. Um, so the Pfizer vaccine, they studied, um, you know, 16 years and older. And so the, the side effect, as you probably already know, that um, is, you know, it's like tenderness on the side of injection and, and then also the, the body ache. And the, the side effect is basically the same, including that it could be a little bit less also in the younger population. And for some strange reason, it looks like children tend to be, I don't know if they are like tougher or they complain less maybe, but they tend to be, you know, they tend to have less side effect of that. Now. You know, is there, I guess, uh, I don't know if you've seen this where, where parents are worried, to, maybe they get the vaccine, but they're worried to give their children the vaccine. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, in those cases, you know, what, what should people think? You know, why, what's the, the argument? You know, we've talked about the sort of the logical reasons that you should immunize your children, but maybe there are parents who are saying, oh, maybe I'll wait a year or six months and, and see, I mean, how would you, what would you say to those, those parents who are kind of on the fence? Um, well, I think it's going to be just a matter of encountering the virus, you know, uh, certainly we depend on the willingness of the community to, be, to have a safe community, is that right? And that happened with so many vaccines that happened with the measles vaccine, you know, I think that we can afford uh, to have a patient, a child with no measles vaccine is because everybody is vaccinated. 
And so it's just that render the place very safe. And um, I work in a cancer hospital. And in a way for me, it is a uh, assurance like, you know, I say, okay, so the entire community is vaccinated against measles. So therefore I can wait in this kid with cancer who cannot receive a measles vaccine that that kid is not going to get the disease. And I think it's probably is the same argument also. The more immunization we give, the less chance is going to have that particular kid who might have a poor response to the COVID. And um, so waiting, I think of waiting is always, uh, you know, some people do that. And those are, uh, those are the people who adopt innovation later. I think that as a, um, uh, um, you know, innovation adoption um, is different from various people. And that applies to everything, applies from getting a new cell phone, uh, applies to um, perhaps, you know, getting vaccination. So some people tend to be much quicker adopting an innovation than other groups. But I would say in this case, you know, it's kind of like just uh, a bit risky. But we know that uh, we know the side effects of COVID and, and then we know that the vaccine protects uh, against COVID. And we know also that people who get vaccinated gets, has much less effect, you know, I would say from COVID because they don't catch the COVID. So, and, and again, I think that a lot of arguments is going to be um, perhaps um, not very appealing for people who set up their mind already. But still, I would say, looking at the data, that COVID has more side effects. COVID has much more, um, I would say, potential for poor uh, outcome than getting vaccination. Yeah, I, I had just come across some stories of athletes who've had COVID, um, both in the NBA and, and in other leagues, and how much it affected their performance for a very long time. So it was interesting just reading their stories and, you know, you, you think, oh, these you know, young athletes are the best shape that, that th this shouldn't affect them. I, I do have just one last question. It was sort of something that I had in mind, you know, my brain came up with is how, you know, I guess typically for COVID, the, the approval process has been faster or, or so the yes. development process. How do we know that in 10 years or five years, there's not going to be some adverse effect. Uh, I mean, this might sound like a silly question, but you know, if we, if the vaccine is new and we don't have people who've had it for 10 years, how can we, you know, be relatively certain that it's, it's safe in, in, in the long run? Yeah. And um, I think as we, like right now, right now, you know, with the vaccine I was mentioning to you, has been given 1.6 billion doses, okay? That is incredible. That is ongoing, really, the biggest ever clinical trial, I would say. And, um, and we understand that this is around the globe. In the United States, normally, there, uh, there are institutions that encourage people to report vaccine side effect. And so, uh, and those are the, um, the, the, the vaccine adverse um, uh, event reporting system. 
and, and they really encourage you. It's very easy to report. They are like specific information and those are reviewed. And there is the advisory committee for immunization practices. Those are the ones that are reviewing and taking very seriously everything in uh, the FDA as well. And so I, I would say it's going to be difficult to really predict all the potential side effects because we are going to be given to all group of people, to all potential, you know, um, people to, with, with different, um, I would say, um, uh, responses. So we are going to get to know more about that. And I would say people just need to be very, um, pay attention to that. And I think that everybody's interested, not only pediatricians, but also these organizations are all interested in learning more about the vaccine. So far, what we know is there are some adverse effects that and so these adverse effects are related to the site to the to the tenderness because this is a this is a uh, injection and then also some more like body aches but certainly we are going to hear more specific more like more serious one and those are the times that we need to really make sure that we understand because remember at one point is going to be so many people are going to be getting vaccinated. And, and then this is when we really need to pay attention. Is that something that is going to happen anyways, even though the patient's immunized or not? Or really that's the effect of the vaccine? And I think that this is when we are going to need the expert to tell us. And that way we are not going to say, okay, we got, I got vaccinated and I have a car crash. Oh, the car crash after vaccination, is that a side effect? And I know that I'm being like extreme in the association, but we are going to have an association with some disease. And this is the, this is the time that we are going to need to have experts who are telling us, well, Miguela, that can happen, even though in just, you know, this is not above of the threshold or the, or the person might say to me, wow, this is something that we have not seen before. Therefore we need to communicate. So that's why we have these experts and we have these offices that, um, that they are telling us when to worry about that. I'm not sure if that answers your question. No, it does. So, I mean, I think, you know, maybe many people have a conception that the, the vaccine is out now. So the, the companies and the scientists are like, all right, job done, time for a break. You know, it, it's ongoing, the, the studying people's side effects and, and, and also, you know, extending the approval to to children and, and teenagers and sort of getting to those younger, younger ages. And the other thing to remember is that this vaccine, this vaccine has been approved because of this emergency. This is not like, you know, this is not like the other vaccine completely included already into the regimen. That's why this is more like the emergency Emergency, emergency use authorization, we needed to have that. But, but uh, it is not like, you know, this is completely approved. No, this is applied during this time of the pandemic. And um, so that's something also people need to remember. And, and again, a lot of people are, uh, you know, following this very closely. Like I mentioned to you, the FDA and the CDC closely monitor vaccine safety. Uh, and this that happened, even the vaccine is completely approved, they still follow 
and after the public begin using the vaccine. Like I mentioned to you, there is this vaccine adverse event reporting system. They are very active in, um, in, in then other, you know, like the clinical immunization safety assessment project is another one around. And so there is a lot of attention on this. This is nothing like, you know, on the loose, you know, no. There's a lot of uh, very close scrutiny on this, um, on, on the vaccination and specifically on this COVID vaccination. And just wrapping it all up, I, I, we've talked a lot about the adult perspective. Um, I'm wondering, you know, in your work, you know, if, if how, how do children and teenagers feel about the vaccine? What, what's the, 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 the opinion or the consensus of, are they, you know, more likely to, are they enthusiastic? Um, is the needle fear, is that overtaking everything? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because uh, I'm a pediatrician and then um, I am a little bit of needlephobic person too. You know, I'm quite scared of the needle. I don't like it. And I think it's very important for children to know that this vaccine, you know, involves needle and because they just don't like it. Uh, this is one, this being very open about the vaccination. The, the other thing in children also, because I have a daughter, uh, is to talk about that because they, you know, uh, teenagers, they, they basically, they, they know a lot. They are very active in their social media. They know what is going on. They, they get a lot of this uh, misinformation and things like that. And then the other thing is they talk amongst themselves and what they are talking about many times is what, they, what their parents, their, their parents believe and their parents' ideas. And so they could be very strong advocate also for vaccination if you provide the right information. And so um, they, they can, for me, it's like my daughter got, got the vaccine and but she was very enthusiastic about that. And many times she tells me that other classmates opted for not doing the vaccination and uh, she always tell me like, you know, I think that because they are coming from this household where they are very conservative and they don't believe much in vaccines and things like that. So um, again, you know, children tend to, uh, tend to reflect what is going on in their households. And so people who intersect with them as a teacher, I would say, or, um, you know, even as a uh, friend, it is very good to provide the right information. Pediatricians also has like an amazing role to, uh, to provide the right information to the parents. Also parents, when they are getting vaccinated, it's very important to explain to their teenagers or to their children what is going on. And even they say, take them and so they can see it. And uh, because they also worry, they worry about a lot of misinformation going on. And so it's important to acknowledge that. Well, I, I, I appreciate your time. I don't want to take too much uh, of it because you're doing very valuable work. Um, I, 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 I hope and I, I think we've cleared up some of the, the sort of misconceptions about vaccination and vaccines. Um, I, I hope people get vaccinated. I, I mean, it seems the, the logical thing to do and, and, and there's so many benefits and it's not that bad, honestly. Uh, I went through it. <laughs> it's not that bad. Um, so thank you very much for your time. I will leave links to where people can read more um, about vaccines and vaccination if, if they want to find out and, and read more. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it's, it's, it's not too bad. And then, yeah, uh, 
hopefully one day they'll make a, a, a vaporized version. This is my thinking. I was like, if they can get rid of that needle. <laughs> yes, I know. Needle is not good. Meaning like it, it hurts. That's yeah. definitely hurts. So, but um, if people can just come around that and, um, and even uh, find ways in which can be completely painless would be even better. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Thank you, Dr. Kaniza, for being a guest and spending some of your valuable time with us to share that information. I'm going to leave links, like I mentioned, of resources where you can get more information about being vaccinated. I'll leave those in the show notes if you want to check those out. And if you're still listening at this point, you are a super fan. Thank you very much for listening. And if you haven't already five-star reviews wherever you're listening to the Fox Nomad podcast really help get the word out about the podcast. Uh, it's been a great series of episodes. Uh, we, we keep hitting Apple's top lists. It's, it's a really exciting time. I really appreciate all of your support. Um, I appreciate all of the guests that we've had. It's been wonderful, uh, but it's not slowing down. There's going to be more episodes coming up. So, uh, Make sure that you're subscribed. You've given five stars and a nice review for the Fox Nomad podcast. And until next time, have a great rest of your day.